0: Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. This is your wake up call. Hello, hello, and welcome to uh, Cup of Joe After Hours. Uh, this is a little bit different. What we're going to do is, you know, this is after the coffee shop has uh, closed, and we're just going to peek in on some conversations on the different on different topics um, that, uh, you know, that our patrons are talking about. Um, so it hit me, you know, I was, uh, remember one day I was, uh, sitting and chilling in the house with family and my son did something and, and it, boom, it hit me. He did something that reminded me of my dad. And, you know, they hit me that my dad is not here. And all these emotions started to flood me, flood, uh, my, uh, mind, memories, uh, and not, not necessarily just the memories, but the what ifs, uh, what if he was here to see my son graduate from high school, to see him graduate from, uh, junior college and to see him start four-year college. And, you know, what if he was here to see my daughter, you know, he's met my son. He met my son when he was little, uh, but he's never, he never met my daughter. He, uh it got sick and uh passed <clears throat> before he could meet my daughter and so a lot of those memories start to flood because of one thing my son did. I can't even remember what he did, but it reminded me of my dad, and you know emotions started to hit, and uh I did tear up a little bit and uh, you know that's how grief is my dad's been gone. Whew. My daughter is around 13, 14. I always lose track uh after they turn 10, right? Uh that's me. Um but so he's been gone for a while now, 12, 13 years, 14, but those emotions still hit hard. Um and again, it's mainly the what-ifs. It's mainly the the memories that I'll never get, you know. I'll never get to uh, go into business with him like we were planning to do. And, you know, what makes it worse is that we just started to have a relationship. I didn't grow up with him, Uh, uh, he was estranged. And um, so I grew up without him in my life. And, you know, he had kind of turned the corner on his life um, and we were starting to have a relationship me and my dad, my dad, and my uh, brother, and my sister, and it, it just really hit hard. Um, uh, and it kind of reminded me of the I'm not old, y'all, but I because I played sports and I played a little football in high school, uh, arthritis tends to flare up uh, my shoulders and everything when it rains. When it rains, pew, arthritis starts to flare up and the pain starts to hit. And that's what grief hit me like. It was like when it rained, uh, whatever my son did was something that happened when it rained. You know, uh, it was a when it rained moment. When it rained, the pain started to hit, the memories start to flood, the what ifs that I'm not going to get to, because uh, I know he would have been there to, uh, cheer my son on. I know he would have been there, um, uh, uh, at, at a few plays, um, I know he, you know, he would have, uh, just, but my dad has this, 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 this sense of just popping up, and was like, um, oh, it's very inconvenient time, we're about to leave and go out of town, yeah, that's all right, we'll stay in the house, no, nah, you can't do that, but anyway, um, uh, and then he'll, he read, he, he know how to read people well, so he, you know what, I'm not gonna pop up next time. And then he'll do this little laugh. Like I call it Barney Rubber laugh. But see, those memories just flood, you know, and the memories that I don't have, like I said. And it made me think of, you know, it was too long for a post. So I said, let me podcast about it. And I uh was chilling with my herbal tea in. The uh, coffee shop, they let me stay because I host. <laughs> they let me stay a while and uh, drink my herbal tea and do a little work. And I just popped in on some conversations and some stories from uh, some other people who are dealing with grief, who when it rains, a touch, a smell, a fabric, something they see on TV or, or, or something their kids do that remind them of the person that they lost. Um, and uh, I just wanted to share their stories and pray that uh, that this will help some other people that are grieving. Um, I want to talk to uh, family uh, and a friend of mine and family, like I said, um, her name is Ronita. Um, I want y'all to take to uh, listen to Ronita's story.
1: Hi, my name is Ronita and I have been asked to be a guest on a Cup of Joe podcast and um, I've been sent a list of questions to answer in regards to the grief. I'm not sure Joseph knew what he was doing when he asked me to open this can of worms, but I'm more than willing to share my experiences uh, with the hopes that they may help someone else someday or even at least at least validate someone else's feelings when it comes to um, losing someone you love or losing someone, period. So the first question is, how did losing a loved one first affect you? Um, And to answer that question, I think that the first time that I actually experienced grief and the grieving process was when I lost my best friend um, to a car accident in 10th grade. Um, she and I had been friends since the sixth grade. We had just left elementary school, went to middle school. Um, and you know how elementary schools, there's like more elementary schools than middle schools. So her elementary school and my elementary school merged at our middle school and we met and we were friends. We hit it off the first day and we were friends up until she passed away. Um, and I will say that it affected me in a major way um first of all my mother was out of town um with her job when this happened so i didn't have my mom to run to um so i really had to initially sort through these feelings by myself and that was difficult um i felt lost and confused as many do first of all um, i was full of questions. Um, in regards to her death itself, I was wondering, you know, what was the last thing she said before she died? You know, what happened? What's the last thing she remembers? Um, did she feel any pain? Um, what were her last thoughts? Like what, you know, everybody says my life flashed before my eyes. I want to know, I wanted to know what flashed before her eyes, uh, before she, you know, ultimately passed away, um. I wondered, you know, how they say you see a light. I was like, well, did she see a light? Did she walk towards it? Was there anything that would have, you know, kept her on this side? Um, Is there anything that I could have done? You know, most of the same feelings that people feel when they lose somebody. You just have this plethora of questions and you just wonder what if or what could have been or... What if this one thing would have been different? Um, Her accident ended up being with an 18 wheeler on a small back road. So I was thinking stuff like, you know, what if she would have left the house maybe five minutes later or five minutes earlier? Or, you know, I could have called her this morning and, you know, I could have changed her timing up a little bit. You know, I tried to make it, you know, about me or tried to figure out how I could have saved her. And it everybody does it, but it's inevitable um we all gotta go and I've learned that eventually but um at that time when I first had to deal with grief those were some of the first things um that I experienced um I also felt upset because like as teenagers 10th graders we had plans like of course you make plans with your friends when we get older we're gonna do this we're gonna go to college together we're I made it I'm gonna major in this you're gonna major in that Um, and I, I just feel like she left me hanging on that part. So I'm just like, I'm here to do the rest of this by myself, or I have to find another avenue, or I have to figure out how I'm going to change our plans to make them fit my life since it's just me. Um, never going to have another best friend, all stuff like that. Um, what else I felt incomplete. Um, like I said, she was my friend from our first year of middle school up until our second year of high school, which would probably would have gone on forever had she not passed away, but I don't know that. Um, but then that, that was my thought process, you know. I've been connected to this girl's hip for how many years? From sixth to tenth grade, and now I don't have that. I'm literally missing. A part of me so I had to figure out a new daily routine a new way of life who am I gonna call when I have tea or you know it was just difficult for me as a teenager to deal with that but that was my first um, encounter with grief in the grieving process And it did teach me a lot. Um, That was with my first time losing somebody. Um, I I had two other major losses in my life that were significant to me. The second one, it was sadly, these all happened kind of back to back to back, and I'll get to that in a minute. But the second one was a deacon at my church at the time. His name was Deacon Black and um he was older. he was older guy but you know sometimes as a kid you take to older people uh you want to help them so it was he was an older guy uh I found out later on that he had um mesothelioma he was a painter and he worked in all those old buildings and stuff when he was younger so when he got older it kind of caught up to him um but when he passed away I just kind of felt like My feelings with his death weren't as significant as they were with hers, so it was a little bit less, but I did always feel like um, he was missed in certain settings, or like when I would go to church, I would always remember, well, you know, when he would get here, I would help him out the car, or I would help him carry stuff to his car when it was time to go home, or if he was, you know, hanging up pictures or printing papers or whatever he was doing around the church, if he needed help with that, I would help him with that, so going forward after he passed away when stuff would go on in charge it was like dang if Bur black was there i would be helping him with it so um and then it'd be a little rest in peace and i know he's not suffering but outside of that that light, lo- that that loss was not as um hurtful as my best friend uh and my third one i think my my best friend she died in 2005 Um, Brother Black in like 2006, 2007, and in 2008, it was my mother. My mother passed away um, to a rare skin disease, uh, has no cause, no cure. She suffered from it for about three years, and we thought that she was going to have a miraculous recovery. Um, The doctors told us, you know, if you live with this disease for three years, um, there's a chance that they can reverse and you'll go back to normal. And so we were banking on that. But like right before her three years, um, she ended up passing away suddenly um, two days after Christmas. And that was the most significant loss I have had to date. Um, what do you do when your mama die? Um I had all of those feelings that I told you about with my friend magnified times ten thousand. Um instead of feeling upset, baby, I was angry. I was angry. I was one of the ones that questioned God. Um I questioned everybody's motives. I questioned everything because why? My mama was like a perfect <laughs> a perfect person. And I know ain't nobody perfect. But she was darn close. She was very close to being perfect and To this day, I really haven't heard anything remotely negative about her. Um, And if it was negative, nine times out of ten, she was putting you in your place for you being out of line in the first place. So, um, that's the death that affected me the most. Um, and the second question was about grief triggers. So, my mom's, um grieving process had the most triggers for me and it started with right after she passed away I was on summer break not summer winter break she died in Christmas time I was on winter break from college at University of Southern Mississippi backstory the only reason I'm at University of Southern Mississippi is because she went there I wanted to follow in my mom's footsteps so I went to the college where she went and um it was an amazing first year up until my mom died. My mom died my sophomore year. The winter of my sophomore year. And I tried to go back that um, that spring after. I tried to go back spring nine. And I think I made it to like February before I called it quits. Because literally everything was a trigger. Um, For instance, my friend circle and I. We would all, you know, of course you're in college, living a good life. We would all sit down at the same time and call our parents. Um, And after my mom was gone, my friends kept up with that, you know, tradition or not even tradition, but that habit that we had to call our parents, check in before we, you know, be out all night or doing whatever. And guess who didn't have nobody to call? Huge trigger. I mean, I had my daddy, but. Oh, he's say, like, oh okay he's not gonna ask all the questions that a mama would have asked you know um and i didn't want to call him i want to call my mama like everybody else everybody didn't nobody else call their daddy everybody called their mama and that's who i wanted to call my mama i couldn't so um that was one thing um and then another trigger was knowing that my mom walked the same campus that i was walking so it would just be like moments um, sometimes when I was alone, sometimes when I was with somebody, you know, I would see one of the older historic buildings on campus that I know was there when she was there and just be like, I wonder if my mama sat on these steps or I wonder if my mama had a class in this building. I wonder where she sat in this classroom. She probably sat in the front because she was smart. Or I wonder if, you know, if she skipped any classes. I wonder what she did when she skipped classes. It was just the littlest stuff that would trigger me and have me running out of classrooms crying bawling my eyes out and it just it took a toll on me um my grades suffered um my friendship suffered um got to the point where I wouldn't even I would stay in the room in the bed and just it wasn't even me wallowing or sulking because my life had been changed so much become what it had become it was I guess just grief um sadness and me isolating myself to not have to deal with the things that went through my mind when I was outside or around other people um Another grief trigger when it comes to my mom was life events that you know that your mom is going to be a part of. Um, I've had two children without a mother. I got married without a mother. Um, and oh, navigating through life without a mother. Um, How do you go from calling somebody for everything to not being able to call them anymore? So imagine having all these questions and nobody to ask before you say nobody to ask i know there are people that are there for me and people that love me and people that don't mind one bit answering these questions but guess what i don't ask you it's, it's not the fact that i don't i don't have anybody to ask i can't ask the person that i want to ask and um that's a trigger for me it's a group trigger um sometimes i'll shut down i will Get mad because I know I'm not going to get an answer to the question or not the answer that I want. Um, I can get an answer, but it's not going to be the answer that I want. It's not going to be what I know my mom will say because I don't know what she would say. If that makes sense. I just don't know. Um, my kids, Sometimes they're a group trigger because sometimes they do things, they say things, they make facial expressions, that remind me of my mom, and then I end up down this rabbit hole. What would you do if you was to meet your grandkids? Like, how would you, how would you act with grandchildren? How would my mom be interacting with her grandchildren? How would they act with their grandmother? Because if you know my mama, she didn't play uh, with nobody. Nobody kids. She didn't play at all. So, um, it's just... difficult going through life um wondering about everything what would be what could be and how would it be um another grief trigger is seeing other people with their moms or hearing other people brag on their moms um knowing that I don't have that to do anymore um same with my best friend like People got friends they've been friends with since kindergarten, and they still holding strong. And I'm knowing that me and my friend would have been going strong because even when we bumped heads as young teens, we always found our way back to each other. And I just know that with the growth that I've experienced alone and the type of person she was, I know that we probably would have still been friends today. And that's another what would have or how would that have turned out thing that goes to my mind often um lastly my grief trigger which is kind of unsettling to me is seeing people mistreat their mothers act like they mama don't matter um and i know some people have just calls for feeling that way towards their parents but i promise I promise it ain't that big. Um, because even seeing people mistreat their parents, it sends me into this sort of guilt mode. Because there were times when my mom was alive when I, which I was a teenager, but I was rebellious. I bucked the system, I bugged her. I talked back. I, you know, I feel like I didn't cherish her when she was alive. And that in itself, um, bothers me sometimes, knowing that if I could go back and change anything, everything, I would change it all. I would definitely do things much different if I had known that my time with my mom was going to be short-lived. Um, So I really try my best to... Not speaking on other people's situation because I don't know why they treat their parents that way, but if they being spoiled and just stubborn and hateful, then I tell them you need to get it together. Because one of these days, you're not gonna have you're not gonna have no mama, and it's not gonna be fun. You're going to be like me with the should have could Well, if I would have known my mama's going to die this soon, I would have acted better. Just act better now. Just act better. And I know people. you, you got to let people learn stuff for themselves. But I do try to tell people um, from experience that that ain't what it do. Um, my last question is how do I deal with and or cope with grief? Um in order to deal with grief and or cope with grief I have tried to change how I look at it. Um grief is natural but I've tried to not focus on the negative so much like i said before i would always ask questions well what if what if how could how could um and i would try to put that into action like for me in my current situations like the people that have passed away already i can't do nothing about that but um i try to minimize the what ifs if i were to die tomorrow i try to make sure that nobody would have those what ifs about me i try to live my life in a way that when i do pass away whether expected or unexpectedly everybody that i love and that loves me would be at peace with my passing because i know how it is to not be at peace with someone's passing whether it be because i didn't get to say what i wanted to say last or if um it's because i know i treated them horribly when they were alive and i probably shouldn't have but now that they're gone i can't do anything about it um or even the fact that I had made plans with people and I'll never get to finish them, so I try my best to live my life in a way that nobody else will ever have to feel that way about me. When I start feeling bad, I just immediately try to take my mind to a different place. Be like, "Hey, you ain't got time for that. You are gonna die one day. You need to spend this time in a negative attitude edit- with a never not." moving away from a negative attitude and change it into something positive. Um, I try not to get angry as much as I used to. Um, I try to, even if I mean, I get angry, but I try not to stay angry long. Is what I'm saying. Um, I try to force myself to work through my issues. Um, sooner than I would have when I held grudges or stalled it out, like just walking around mad for no reason. I try to fix that. I'll I'll be mad for a little while, and I'll be like, you know what? This ain't going to get me nowhere. Let's turn this into a positive. So just like when I was a teenager booking the system and my mama, (laughs) she would get mad at me and not talk to me for a couple of days, and she would tell me, she was like, I can't look at you right now. You didn't piss me off. Like, I can't look at you right now. So, I try not to do that with my kids because looking back on me as a kid, that's one of the things. Like, I made her so mad that she couldn't look at me when I should have been, you know, trying to love her or make it right. Like, we went to, that was two days wasted because. I did something have to do. So I try to not get mad at my kids. And then when I do get mad at them, I don't try to stay mad long. Um, I try to make memories with them. Me and my mom don't have a lot of pictures together. And if we do, I don't have them. Um, if anybody has them, please give them to me or send me a copy, something, because I don't have a lot of pictures with my mom. And that's one regret that I do have. So I try to take what I suffer from and make sure that Nobody else that loves me suffers from I try to take pictures. I try to make memories. I try to record videos because I know that one day that is going to be all that whoever loves me has left of me. And um, I want them to have stuff to reflect on, uh, stuff to make them feel better um, when they start missing me or want to see me or want to talk to me or want to have words of wisdom from me because I do believe in people talking from the dead. The one thing I do have, which I am extremely grateful for uh, from my mom is her YouTube videos of her singing songs, um, whether it be with the family or with the Mississippi mass Choir. And depending on my situation, sometimes those songs tell me exactly what she would say um, if she were here. And while it's the same recording playing over and over again, I get different messages every time. So, for those videos, thank you, Mr. Masquire, and thank you to my cousin Major for recording everything that he did of my mom um, and posting it on YouTube. I am forever grateful, like eternally grateful, because I do get messages from her via those videos, whether it's confirming something that I already know or, you know, confirming <laughs> something that I should have known, you know? But, um... I also deal with um, grief by living unapologetically. Um, A lot of people don't like this about me, but I do what I want to do. Um, I say what I want to say. I dress how I want to dress. And if I realize it's a mistake later, then yes, I will absolutely double down and say I shouldn't have said that. Or I will double down and say I probably shouldn't have worn that, but you know whoever got a picture got a picture it's over with now um but i try to live freely um and i try to do what i want to do because there are a lot of people in the grave that so worried about what other people think and what they thought that they didn't get to live their best life i'm gonna live my best life um regardless so who don't like it uh regardless of whatever mistakes i may make um You make mistakes. People make mistakes. We all make mistakes. We learn from them. Um, Am I just going to go rob a bank because I want to rob a bank? No. That is not living unapologetically. That is being stupid. You're going to rob a bank and you're going to be in jail. And that's not how you want to spend your days. At least that's not how I want to spend my days. You want to spend your days that way? Go right ahead. But um, Let's see what else I have here. Dealing with and coping with grief. I um, I just basically I take my negative feelings, I try to at least. Now I'm not gonna lie, sometimes them negative feelings be having me down, um. But I have a I have this motto: you can cry about it for one day. I'll cry about anything for one day, and after that one day, I have to buckle down and figure it out. Like. Ain't no crying past one day. Sometimes you, you can cry half a day. Cause some stuff I go through I ain't got time to be crying for a whole day. I got to figure something out quick. Because why? I ain't got no mama to call. But that's just me. That's my life. Some of y'all still got your mama to call. But that's me. I have to figure stuff out on my own. That's a part of my my life now. But um Yeah, I give myself a little bit of time to be down, cry it out. Suffer, struggle, but after that, it's boots on the ground. Figure it out. Hit the ground running. And get to it. Um, if you have any questions or you wanna call me and talk further, I'm pretty sure Joseph is gonna leave my social media handles here. Um don't get up on the phone number. You can get my phone number. I don't care. Um, but if anybody wants to talk to me, I'm not a counselor at all. But I am down to earth. And I will hear you. And I'll tell you what it is like it is. Whether you want to hear it or not. But, um, oh, another thing I want to say about grief. Um, as far as, when it goes back to how did losing a loved one affect me? I have also felt guilty for grieving, like, celebrities that I don't know. Um, a lot of times you see on the internet, like, Facebook or Twitter, uh, ain't no way y'all crying about that celebrity. Y'all didn't even know them. They didn't even know you and you crying. Stuff like that. Uh, like, when Kobe Bryant died, Baby. Baby. You would have thought Kobe was my baby brother. He'd be my big brother, but the way I felt when he passed away, I my heart um it was literally hurting for his family, his children. I had all the the like the feelings that I had when my best friend died. How did he feel when the plane was going down? What did he do with his daughter when the plane was going down? Did he, you know, let his daughter see him sweat? Did he protect her? Did he shield her? What was his thoughts? Did he call anybody? Did he have time to call anybody? Like, you know, stuff like that goes through your mind. And not even just for him and his last moments. It's like, how did Vanessa feel when she found out? Or like, how did she tell her the kids? Like, I know stuff like that. Stuff that I know is, I feel like would be impossible for me to do. It's like, I don't know how. I would do this, my heart literally broke because she had to do it because he had to he had to he had to die in front of his kid or he had to die protecting his kid or he had to die with his kid, and he had to die knowing that his kid was gonna die too. No parent wants to know that their kid's gonna die at least I don't so I really really, really felt a certain type of way about. Kobe Bryant and how he died. I felt a certain way about Whitney Houston when she died. Cause I just feel like she has so much more to do. So, and then people talk about you for grief and celebrities, baby. If you love somebody, you just love them. And Kobe Bryant, I didn't even love him. I didn't really love basketball. It's just somebody that I've seen on my TV screen for several years. The mug was on Moesha playing basketball every time you turned around. If it's not him playing basketball, it's his highlights. If it's not highlights, he's on a commercial. If it's not commercials, he's, you know, on YouTube or he's on some the Jimmy Fallon show, whatever, he, whatever shows he did. He's, you know, always around. Or you know how the celebrity blogs are. They got him in the tabloids. It's just a face that you see all the time. And then you just, all that stuff comes, you know, coming back and you realize how much he loved his daughters and how much they got to be suffering now that he's not here or the one that he died with. You know, he was close to her and I just don't know. But yes, I did cry. I cried a lot. Matter of fact, I, I feel like I have a little PTSD from when Kobe Bryant died because um, for one, I have a photographic memory and I... Remember vividly, I was sleeping. I worked night shift, and I was sleeping the next day. And the TV was on in the background. I could still hear the song that my daughter was watching, one of them YouTube shows that you put on to keep them busy while you sleep. Uh, I remember that song that was on. Um, I remember, like, the the breaking news sound. And I remember being woke up and saying, Hey, hey, you seen the news? Kobe Bryant did. And I remember being like, you know, Mr. Crab, uh, Mr. Crab, mean where he's in the, in the spirals, like just confused and in the days, not believing it until it's confirmed. I remember, I just it just all replays over and over again. Um, so you can definitely grieve people you don't know. nine nine eleven, lots of grief. Um, I wasn't doggone middle school, but just to know that all those families were disrupted because somebody wanted to terrorize America was enough to group about by itself. Enough to group about by itself. You can definitely grieve people you don't know. So, and that's another thing that I want to talk about when how grief affects you. Cause sometimes you, you ain't got no connections. And I understand why people some people some people be nosy. But there are some people that go to funerals like in support of other people and they end up crying harder than the person that they're there to support. Just because, you know, grief you can you, you can have your own memories flooding back to the last funeral you were at or to the thoughts of somebody that you loved that passed away and you remember how you were when you had to go through this. You can be crying for your friend and crying for yourself at the same time. Grief is crazy, baby. It will hit you when you least expect it. It hits you when you ain't even trying to grieve. You just be like this sometimes. Um, I'll never forget, I went to the movie theater to see Best Man Holiday. And child, when Mia died, all of my feelings from when my mama died just flooded back. She died around Christmas. My mama died around Christmas. She died from an illness that didn't have a cure. My mama died from illness that didn't have a cure. And it just, it hit me. That's the grief trigger. There goes another grief trigger. Stuff that just reminds you of your situation and how you felt when you were going through it. Hit you like a ton of bricks and ain't nothing you can do about it. Cry it out, but not for long. Uh, You cry it out, you shake it off, and you just make sure that ain't nobody crying about you all the time. That's pretty much all I gotta say. Um, Joe, I know you're probably gonna cut this up, but Um, Another thing that I want to say that has helped me with grief and the grieving process is working as a hospice nurse. Um, Working as a COVID, working as a nurse during COVID was very, very um, hard on me um, because when I went to nursing school, I went with the intentions on saving lives and success stories. And even then, I knew, you know, you're going to lose some because everybody's just not going to make it. But when COVID hit, baby everybody was dying and it was tough people my age younger older with no health history no trouble ever in their life health wise coming in the hospital and not leaving out and that was when there were no visitors uh, doctors weren't going in rooms housekeeper wasn't going in rooms cafeteria ladies wasn't going in rooms it was literally the nurses and the patients so i doubled as a nurse and a therapist i had to listen to all the shoulda could the last dying wishes the last minute advice people asking me i'm i'm gonna die aren't i you know it's just a lot so much to the point where i made the decision to go work in hospice because i felt like if people are going to die anyway i want to go where they're supposed to die that's how bad it got for me i it was it was awful um but once i started working as a hospice nurse um i learned that you can die matter of fact you gonna die everybody gonna die you're gonna die i'm gonna die he gonna die she gonna die we gonna die everybody gonna die um and it's just it's the fact that death can be just as beautiful as birth if you allow it to be a lot of people are in denial about their family members dying because it could be your mom it could be your brother it could be your last family member. It could be anybody, but people usually are in denial, and they want to do everything they can to save them, even after the doctors have told you that there's nothing you can do to save them. And um, some people get it, and they'll put their family members on hospice. Uh, hospice has lots of benefits that are very helpful in making sure that your loved one is comfortable. Um had I known about hospice when my mom was in her situation, she most definitely would have been on hospice. She would not have died in an ICU room alone, hooked up to machines, um, people pounding on her chest and shooting medications in her veins fast as they can for minutes at a time. Uh, bro- as a nurse now, I know breaking a rib, my mama would not have had broken ribs in her last moments if I had known then what I know now. Um She would have died a dignified death surrounded by loved ones um, like she should have because she lived a good life. She lived a dignified life and she should have died that way as well. And there are a lot of people that deserve to die a dignified death. um, We're just too selfish to let them go. So the more people that realize that death can be just as beautiful as birth, um, the better. If you have questions about that, you can call me too, uh, inbox me, text me, if Joe gave you my number. You can inbox me. Um, I answer most of the time, but anyway, that is all that I have for today. It's about 35 minutes long, Joe gonna cut me off, but um, I appreciate you listening to me, and. I hope you invite me back on the podcast. I'm going to do better next time. I was a little slow this time. But thank you. Talk
0: to you later. Bye. Awesome story. Awesome story. Thank you, Ronita, for sharing your experience, sharing your wisdom and your insight. Uh, and I'm not getting your number out. I will probably, I will probably tag your socials uh, um, for those who uh, want to talk. She's a great person to talk to. Uh, something that really stuck out, uh, is about navigating life without, I think I talked about that. Um, and you can't ask the person that you want to (laughs) ask because you know, you would get her answer. You know, you would get your mom's answer. That was, that was powerful, you know, because we look at that. Well, if you need anything, I'm here, but you're not the person that I want to talk to. And that's a part of the grieving process. And so it's not people, you know. So I'm learning, you know, not to force the hand of people to uh, uh, to move on and live and do this and do that. And I'm here for you to talk to and blah blah blah. They may not want to talk to me, and that's okay. That was that was powerful, Ronita. Thank you, thank you, uh, thank you. Another thing she said that really stuck out is. um, It's okay to grieve others. That's a part of the grieving process. Even people that you don't really know. You know, on my thing, and I'm not trying to take away from uh, Ronita, just I'll say this and then I'll be done, is the same way when Prince died, because I'm a music person, you know, you would have thought he was part of the family. Prince and Michael Jackson. Those were musical giants to me, and Andre Crouch. Those three, to me, uh, I grieved them like they were part of the family. I know, I know, we're we're about to go. (laughs) But I grieved them like they were part of the family. And it's okay, that's okay. But wow, powerful story, powerful story. Y'all stay tuned for part two of this conversation when it rains, Joseph Moore. We we have a whole um, few, a whole lot more, few more conversations we want to um, sneak in, listening in, and ear hustle.